So it's come to this. You know, we had a lot of fun talking about Treat Williams and Deep Rising last week, <laughs> mm, right? We did. I'm I Eric. I, I'm Charlie. We love Treat Williams. Yes, we were celebrating we him last week with Deep Rising, and we wanted to go in a little different direction <laughs> in our deep dive into Treat. Yeah, we're going a full 180 here. God, I love, the, the, the I love this movie, man. I'm so excited to be talking about Smooth Talk. Smooth Talk. Smooth Talk's an important movie to me. This was my Treat Williams movie, apparently. Oh, yeah. This was the this one. This a good one. I, I would this say was this is like uh, up there with his best performances. This is by such far. a movie, man. Yeah. This is so good. What a picture. No movie like Smooth Talk. This was a really real uh, unemployment movie <laughs> for me, somehow. There was like a rotation of this uh salvador and mm. motel hell that constantly played on mgm hd oh wow that's <laughs> during, a lineup during like a 10 month unemployment in like 2010 so brother i watched a lot of stripes and i watched a lot of smooth talk <laughs> that's awesome smooth talk was just constantly in rotation it was like i'm on a cruise ship and only had four movies to choose from mm-hmm. so yeah i'm gonna watch nick of time a dozen times on a cruise ship and that was me. Those are your options. That yeah. was my option. It was that and Ace Ventura 2. And I watched those movies all damn oh, week. Oh, yeah. And Smooth Talk was just a movie that was on every day at a time that I was drinking coffee. That's funny. And I, I watched this movie so much. I, I don't know it to be one that, yeah, I, I never would have thought that would be one that gets played a lot on a, on a streaming or a cable network. It I, did in 2010, man. It was going crazy at like yeah. 1230 on a Tuesday. Maybe Laura Dern was at something big that year. I mean, Laura showing, Dern has just the old been Dern. something big for 40 years. Yeah. <laughs> this true. movie, of course I'm going to watch this. Because again, even though this was my Treat Williams movie, this is Laura Dern's movie. Yeah. And this was me watching an hour of some of Laura Dern's best work of her career already. Yeah. Early, As a teenager. Early career. Yeah. Pre-Blue Velvet, Laura Dern. So this is probably, I mean, this was such a big role. And the first time I saw it during this unemployment, knowing that I'm like, oh, I'm going to be watching this movie a lot. Mm. Her performance and the amazing Santa Rosa, California (laughs) setting. I mean, I fell in love with this movie immediately. This movie just felt real and familiar and like my home. It is. uh, Yeah, it's strange to see your hometown, your hometown mall. Both, oh, both your hometown malls, shit. I guess, on the on the movie screen God, it there. Looks so good, uh, and yeah, there is like you said, there's no other movie like this. It's a dark coming of age, subverts all the teen sex comedy stuff that was going on at the time. Yeah, uh, this is serious. Nobody man. else, yeah, nobody else would make a movie like this. And uh, I think I must have watched it initially for the treat. Sure, <laughs> you go in for the you treat, know? right? I'm trying to remember exactly what the circumstances were, but it was definitely was like, oh, and he's in this movie that was filmed in Santa Rosa. Yeah. 
you know, a mile from where we are, where we are right now. And these places that still exist here. <laughs> we, we live in Santa Rosa. And uh, <laughs> if that's not clear. And uh, I remember watching it, yeah, early 2000s, mid-2000s. So you beat me to it, and then I became obsessed with it. And then just being like, oh, this is a, this is a creepy fucking Treat Williams this performance. dark, man. And then going like, Laura Dern already was fully... An actress at 17. She's How making is, the same faces in this movie dude. as she makes in Jurassic Park or Mulholland Drive or, or not Mulholland, uh, Inland Empire yeah, that she's man. in. We get into these movies where somebody's performance is so good that the whole, I mean, Kate Blanchett in Tar recently, mm-hmm. we're listening back the whole podcast is like, here's another amazing thing, Kate Blanchett. Like, it's us just worshiping this person, right? Laura Dern is on podcast Mount Rushmore. I mean, she is just the best. She's got to be one of the best. And somehow, like you said, 17 years old, she is like fully formed. She is like not just the fully formed amazing actress with just her movement and head tilts and every way she would lean into and out of a conversation. She is so confident with her body movement in the scene. Also, she somehow looks exactly the same (laughs) that she would for the next... Like, how is not just her acting fully formed, but no, she was pretty much Laura Dern mm-hmm. already in 1985. She, she just has that uh, same thing her dad has and, and other great actors. They, they just command the camera. They just dominate the, yeah. the screen you're watching. It's this kind of intangible thing. You could be a great actor, but if the camera doesn't care. But the way she dominates the screen in this movie and it's just fearless in this really uncomfortable role of a teen girl trying sex stuff out. <laughs> a teen girl becoming a, a hot teen girl, right? And, uh, and uh, entering this very adult world of the predator and prey relationships. Yeah, and, I mean, this is a movie about how... Ooh, it's heavy. But it never feels like preachy or too heavy. It's just, like I said, it's a real depiction of what a teenager would go through in a small town. Well, there's With like nothing else to do but make out and experiment, I guess. You know, it's a movie that there's being there is nothing worse than being born like a hot 15 year old freshman. Right. Like it's I even feel bad saying that kind of stuff. Right? No, no, no. <laughs> I'm just mean you are getting the worst attention from the worst, most vile yeah, people yeah. out there. Right. Mm-hmm. Like every girl I know has stories about like. You know, if you are a moderately attractive girl, bad eggs are going to be paying attention to you. Oh, yeah. At a way too early age. Well, she's got two very not as attractive friends who have to deal (laughs) with the same stuff. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. I mean, it's not just her getting it. I had a friend who some guy, you know, in his mid 20s just found out where she lived, parked outside of her house for three months straight. She was like 17. That's creepy. That's so scary. In life, man, it's not good always to be like a very attractive coming-of-age 50-year-old girl. And this movie makes that feel so real. This movie is straight up... Well, it's based on Girls at the Carnival. As we all <laughs> right. know, this was Listen like back. the big screen adaptation of, of Girls at the sure. Carnival. That, that tracks. Uh, directed by a woman mm-hmm. who did basically no other feature films. And this feels like such a lightning in a jar movie right that even got made right joyce chopra i looked her up it's all tv movies or like a well-regarded episode of svu 
Oh. Like some criminal intent, Mm -hmm. you know, but no other feature films. Music documentaries, that kind of stuff. But this was her, like, film. This is a very independent film, though. And she wrote it with her husband. Yeah. Based on this. This is like a... This was her Billy Jack. This was her ch- This is her shot. Billy Jack, man. Yeah. I don't think anyone saw it in the 80s, though. I don't think it, it broke through anywhere. But it's on the Criterion Collection now. Yeah. It's this like was a highly, highly regarded. This was yeah. well critically regarded yeah. when it came out. People recognized this as something different. And how could you not? The, I, I, the You mentioned the script. I think this is one of the best written movies. Yes. Like, the dialogue in this movie, every character feels unique and realized and the dialogue is just so biting and i don't know it conveys so much with such little words the dialogue can be so indirect and the acting and the reading of this these words sounds it feels like they're kind of talking right past each other Mm -hmm. and sometimes speaking like it's like they're almost doing noir but really naturally you know it's this kind of southern noir but it's really spoken in a very uh you know a movie with space, you know, like a European film, right? right? This dialogue is not so direct in like a realistic conversation. It's the way that, yeah, people in families or friends can misunderstand each other or be confused by each other, but not want to like bring up the awkwardness of being confused by what's going on. Right. Or it's an indirect way. The way kids way of... don't want to talk to their parents and the way that parents try to control their kids when it's too late. There's All a, that stuff. There's a lot of play. moments written in where nobody in this movie really seems to understand what the other is saying. Yeah. <laughs> they're all talking in these like ver- their own regional variations on English, but they're just slightly missing what the other's saying, like they're not far off from communicating. And this whole movie is about growing up and learning how to communicate. And Laura Dern is just like getting crossed wires from everyone and then also just finding out how nice boys can be to you. Mm-hmm. When you're a hot girl. And I feel weird, like, connecting to a movie about, just like, yeah, hot girl, 15, coming of age. But she's like, god damn, she's so good in this role. And Santa Rosa in 1985 looks so damn good. Looks rural. Yeah, looks they, so, it's a, it's, well, it's it a lot was, of rural a Sebastopol. Town. Yeah, she's and downtown out on Santa Road Rosa. Somewhere. Yeah. 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 She's Good out. mixture of our like two neighboring towns. You could tell it's filmed in the 80s because uh, she lives on an orchard, apple orchard, instead of like grapevines. So you know that we haven't hit grape you know, wine country. <laughs> yeah, yet right. In Sonoma County. You know, we're out west. Uh, but the mall, uh, yeah, the, the outside of the mall looks exactly the same. God damn. That JCPenney sign doesn't look the same. No, that sign's different. That's, uh, yeah. But this, the, the this inside mall, of the mall, man. watching. Watching those scenes really, it I, I, I was at that mall oh, in God, the eighties yeah. and nineties. I like. I grew up chasing girls in that mall. I already love any mall yeah. in a movie. Every mall scene oh, yeah. in a movie's great, right? Mall horror scenes—they're all great. Any mall in a movie just looks good. A bustling mall in a movie, man. And the Santa Rosa Mall was looking good in nineteen. 19- <laughs> Did you see that plant life? Did you see how all the lush greenery inside the Santa Rosa Mall? A lot of lot of fake plants in the mall the at the time. The downtown mall in yeah. 1985. Mm-hmm. Did you see the same cigar? The Tinderbox. Tinderbox Tinder yeah. was there in 85. One. That was still kicking. A lot of stores that did not make it. <laughs> I'm loving. This was just the full mall. It's a good mall to film in. 
Mm-hmm. Good mall. I mean, you've seen Two other stories. you've seen other mega malls. Santa Rosa is not a mega mall, but no. that brown tile with that lush face. I love a good indoor plant life. Make yeah, me yeah. feel like I'm walking through in like arboretum <laughs> when I'm going a hot dog on a stick, you know. And peak Santa Rosa Mall had that vibe. I would have been four years old. This mm-hmm. is a mall I was just starting to experience. It looked so good. I fell in love. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna love this movie way more than everybody else. I'm undeniably nostalgic for just the look and feel yeah, yeah. of this film, right? Well, we were talking just a little bit ago about uh the comfort that comes with seeing this kind of stuff oh yeah and remember and like i said remembering my own childhood at that mall and how the food court used to be on the other side and how you had to go walk through this like mile-long hallway to get to the bathrooms in the back oh, of the man, food that court. tunnel in the back of the yeah. santa rosa mall it right? felt like a trap once i saw goodfellas <laughs> for the first time i yeah. immediately it's just like it's the bathroom in- and Dude. then you gotta like make a left into some blind <laughs> the corner. left turn is unreal <laughs> man you are going around in a like a curving right hand circle for for the Crazy. long enough where you start to feel like well this doesn't feel right yeah surely and then we you get seen a, bathrooms by now then you get just a hard 90 degree left and by then it's just like what the fuck is happening <laughs> where are they taking me in this place it feels like you're gonna see yeah. guys in the like a motorized cart come through like no you're getting too deep in the belly of this beast mm-hmm. part of you're the like mall. behind the mcdonald's <laughs> how deep like, are we behind <laughs> this place right how big is the mall i loved that mcdonald's on film do you remember the indoor mcdonald's we had mm-hmm. where the indoor interior of the mcdonald's was the same as the mall interior so it was the same brown tile plant life yeah but it just had the McDonald's swivel chairs. The McDonald's in Cottingtown, where it had like two tables, like the on, outward, it, the patio the tables, the, mall. the indoor Cottingtown patio tables. Yeah, Sarah's Mall was more inset yeah. than that, but it was a real like just an indoor McDonald's. Oh man, that looked good. That was my favorite part of that indoor. And mall. then just yeah, seeing so the whole like first half hour of the movie is Laura Dern and her friends just kind of running around the mall for six hours, yeah, giggling at boys. Chasing him around, pushing her friend into another kid to flirt, and uh, isn't it the best? It's uh, <laughs> I mean, like that's what kids did. You remember just how Steve- did like that's it's one of those movies where you go like, how do they know that kids did that? Like, yeah, movies. How did this? How did Joyce Chopra and her husband like write this movie as adults, young adults probably? But how did they like know the intricacies of? Maybe their own childhood in the 70s was the same way. I, don't I know. just love any movie that just real no matter what its form or what its intent like that realistically captures youth. Mm-hmm. Youth exactly. on film is just beautiful, right? I loved Boyhood. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, man, I remember what it was like to play the, the Nintendo 64, kid. Like, I get it. I I got that summer of Super Nintendo, yeah. right? There's something about uh, seeing that, in, yeah, when they get it right. Yeah, they just connect. It's just like, yeah, man, this is like That's being it. a kid. Yeah. This was like the good parts. This was the bad parts, right? And this movie just felt like youth. And youth just looks good. Even if it's cheesy. If it's like the Legend of Billie Jean. Man, I fucking love mm. the Legend of Billie Jean, right? This goes for a way more real version, right? Just a girl well, it felt navi- so real. navigating like being 15 and wanting shit, right? And just, man. And just the way like they joked around with each other 
and they would joke around with the adults around them. You know, the one scene where they rush into the jewelry store, I think, is, oh, or, yeah. or a purse store or something. Yeah. The very adult Running store. away from old boys. And, yeah, and then laughing and then being like, oh, no, we're shopping. We wanted to look. And they're like, dude, get out. That, just get out. That scene is one of, like, 20 that shows just how funny and charming Laura Dern already was. I mean, it's not a guarantee. Just because... Your parents are dying, lad. Bruce Dern mm-hmm. doesn't guarantee. You know, not all of Ric Flair's kids could pull it off in the <laughs> ring, right? Like sure. it doesn't. It's not a guarantee. Sometimes it's worse. Right? She probably grew up on those movie sets, though, right? She just had to yeah. have it have a feel for it. I think she's, obviously she's a great, it's a natural talent. I mean, everything I said about Kate Blanchett in the Tar episode, yeah, I could dub, I could say for Laura Dern. But also, like, everybody's great in this movie. Yes. Her parents, Mary Kay plays, ooh, amazing mom on screen. Ma- uh, her dad. Not, not enough Mary Kay place yeah. on this pot. We have undersold yeah. how much Mary Kay place means to be a She's one actor, of those right? where, yeah, every time you see her, just like, we're in good hands. We're going to get love. a good performance. Oh, when she, the secretary and being John Malkovich. Mm. She's so funny in that. Citizen Ruth. I got Laura say, Dern. I always think of her as uh, Maria Banford's mom and Lady Dynamite. <laughs> yeah. I just loved She's her great. and Ed Begley Jr. as uh, as the parents on that show. Thank you for my, so good. my so-called life. You know? She's everywhere. And she's Mary Kay Place. She's great. She's the mom. Her with her mom the haircut. Mom. With her 1985 mom haircut. The ultimate mom haircut. And the put upon mom who's like Gets bitched out for making tuna fish for dinner. Oh man! And it's so, trying to like paint the house by herself. They're, they live endless out in the house projects, rural house areas. in the country. Yeah. You had uh, you. I cut you off when you're talking about her dad. Oh yeah. Well, the talk about an unexplored I, character actor. This is a guy, the kind of guy we love, Levon Helm, of the band. Yeah. You know, by the '80s, everybody got tricked to, into selling all their rights. All their songwriting rights to Robbie Robertson. So Levon Helm's like, shit. Better do something like, else. Better better adapt like a Towns Van Zant style like character actor career. But I, I definitely did not know that was him the first time I saw it. I had I, I always thought he was I must have thought he was someone else in the band. Because seeing him in this movie, it's like, that's not the guy I remember from the last waltz <laughs> playing. Well, by in the eighties, so I had no idea he had this actual like character actor career in the 80s not huge but like 10 different movies Mm -hmm. several of them are just like all have like oh he's like third build in this movie with like tim thomerson okay you know all these movies that never made it to dvd levon helm in this movie he's got this like he's just a natural for a character actor like when dwight yoakam shows up in something yeah you're like oh cool yeah, it's a like it's Dwight a, Yoakam kicks in a door in panic room and you're like, oh shit. It's just amazing okay. how natural he is. Yeah, he's the dad. He drinks too much. But he's, he's not totally but, a bad but, but dude. But he's like a guy. Really. Yeah, he's like tries to be a good dad. He has this kind of thing where he's like, Hey kid, where you been? You know, well, the short story really describes him as a guy it. who worked like double jobs twenty hours a day. So when he was around, yeah. he was kind of like out of it. That's kind of how he's painted there and Kind of knowing that, seeing what Levon Helm's doing, because it keeps, there's an energy throughout where you keep getting a sense of physical abuse. Hmm. But I think that's just that charged childhood 1985 atmosphere of parents not kind of really knowing what they're doing. 
I think that's kind of that vibe all of us kind of had that kind of defined that era of just like, none of us know anything here and we're yeah. way ill-equipped now. And uh, we mean well, though. I got the sense that, yeah, he it's he definitely like verbally abuses the mom at the dinner table, basically. But, but it's it doesn't all, seem it's all like that, a like, very uh, subtle, like, oh, she's got nothing to do all day but talk on the phone and we're getting tuna fish kind of stuff that... I, I uh, and then but later so, later that night when he's on out on the deck looking at the stars having that kind of wistful moment yeah of like look at me look what I've done finally has a homeownership to his name right so he's like feeling good about himself but at the same time he's got this daughter here who's like he's not connecting with yeah well that's what when and I said they're just, all like they're all yeah. just kind of talking just past the other yeah in this whole movie and you know when it starts you can kind of sense that you know he's going this uh, kind of played out you know abusive dad in this rural small town you think there's a lot of like those kind of movies right because he is complaining about the tuna fish and her talking on the phone too much while he's the one working right Mm -hmm. and i like that they establish though in all of his other scenes that that's not like the norm or a pattern they don't he's not feared he's not like he had a night where he's an asshole and people but it doesn't have to become the focal point yeah, Everybody yeah. has unattractive moments in this movie, but they're more about shaping the mood and establishing just how they are around each other. What they're comfortable with getting away with. Mm-hmm. The things that... The feeling when Laura Dern knows the way she can mouth off to her mom, and then the time that she knows she takes it like one step too far, and so kind of... Even with the slap, it doesn't feel as reactionary as it should. You know, it just felt like her immediately recognizing. She goes... But never dwelling on these moments the way, like, a drama drama would. These have kind of the uninteresting flaws of a real-life yeah. <laughs> family argument. Yeah. You know, the it timing isn't real. totally, like, in rhythm. They're more... Yeah. They're talking past each other. They're not understanding each other. Well, it's other. like you get in an argument with someone, you know, a, a wife or a family member. It's like, then you're over it the next day. Then you're on to the next thing. Yeah. And it's not. It's not a... Uh, you know, it doesn't have to be. And, and the the great thing with this this whole story is that there is not one major thing pushing someone in some direction. This is just a teenage girl and her friends just kind of figuring yeah. out this. Uh, you know, because she's hanging out with friends and just so kind like, of arguing your with your family she, during the summer. She doesn't really have like a parental role model, so they're just kind of having to go out and find yeah these older boys and kind of figure it out. And they, you know, they go and make out with them, and then they come back and they go like, "How'd yours go? <laughs> pretty good." <laughs> That's pretty it's much not what extended they edition. <laughs> they, so, you know, how man, was your, how was your makeout session? Oh man, pretty it was just good. like that's the that was the yeah. best stuff, man. I loved going to movies with girls. Sometimes with like six of us kids running around, and sometimes mm-hmm. just one girl. Right? I loved talking to girls for the first time. I get it. You know, I'm not I'm not a girl wooing boys in this movie, but man, when when the Raven was showing Clueless and it was just a bunch of hype, I loved sitting next to girls and like laughing with a bunch of other kids my age. Man, that was yeah. the best stuff. Running around the mall and like, yeah, seeing a girl that was cute in the sweet shop, finding a reason to go buy those gummy Haribo frogs. Just <laughs> mm-hmm. that was great. It was being it's being like literally fifteen and sixteen. Yeah, you know, like. The the problem with this movie, or the not the problem, but the 
the danger is that it's these older boys that are coming in that are not like I remember being fourteen, fifteen, running around the mall, yeah, knowing there's some girls we know from school there. It was all very innocent. <laughs> yeah, man. I wasn't trying to give anyone a. Back I wasn't rub. going to the mall when I was like in my twenties, yeah. trying to like go after these girls. So they man. start going to the the twenty four hour diner there, and then there's like the heavy customers. And you start seeing these older boys coming up, and they're taking things a little further and a little further. Yeah, and uh, that's where it really becomes like that. That's you know that first boy that takes her out, and they kind of make out, and then they all giggle about it. He's right. a real innocent kid. That second guy, <laughs> I know it's already getting bad. That's right? what I forget. Yeah, it's the like, vultures move in quick, right? Yeah, I always Once- remember Treat Williams being a creep, but there's a creeps throughout the movie. Yeah, that they have to dodge and weave around and uh this is her. or just like run out of the car when it just gets a little too intense she is so good in this movie because she's able to so naturally play just a te- real teenage girl goofing around and you know knowing you can get in trouble at the mall and it doesn't actually matter mm-hmm. knowing when you right. can like actually just like kind of defy your parents and like get away with it like we all got away with shit right there's all moments that we could tell about they're just like I don't know how I skated on that one. And then there's other <laughs> moments that you get busted for, right? You end up grounded for a yeah. month. But then there's other things where it's like, well, they never found out about this thing. And this movie just captures that, right? Like, you were at the mall for six hours. And in those six hours, she's like, man, that's, that's so many conversations I have. You were supposed to be out front at 530. <laughs> you know, it's like, I was waiting. It's just like, yep. I remember that shit. And at the same mall where I was having those arguments with my mom. Oh, shit. Exactly. (laughs) This movie's just too real to me. It does lend another level to it. By the time they're sneaking into R-rated movies at the Cottingtown Cinemas. Brother. Any. The the last two acts of this movie could have been the dumbest shit possible. And I would have been just like, man, you know, it's a great movie. You know, it's a really strong movie that I connect to in ways that none of you will. No. I love seeing that Cottingtown film. That cinema has not existed since like 1999. Yeah, at that least has been a Pep years. Boys mm-hmm. or a Benjamin Franklin Crafts for longer than it's been the Cottingtown. And you know cinemas. what? If it had stayed around, they probably would have ruined it somehow. They would they would have put in uh, THX, uh, you know, sure stuff. Well, that it, was the, the charm of that that theater, even in the 90s when I remember it. Was how dank and old it was Dude. compared to everything else in the in the city. Can we talk about the Cottingtown Cinemas for a while? I think we can. I mean, I think we've probably talked about it before in this show, but I don't know, man. But this yeah. was this was where I it saw was a special place. This place, I can't. I the first time I saw this movie, I was losing it. I remember first time I saw Smooth Talk, seeing those white bricks, mm-hmm. <laughs> that white brick exterior. I knew immediately what building that was, right? This is where I saw my very first movie. Hmm. Yeah. This was Lady and We're talking Lady and the Tramp here. Like 1986, Lady and the Tramp. Lying around the... Just like in this movie. That li- all, Kanye Young has you just lining up right in front of a wall. Mm-hmm. Just all around. Just right in the, the road. No, 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 no even bother to put like posters on the wall <laughs> no, or anything. Just a white abrasive brick wall yeah. just huge bricks they're sharp to lean against so you're just up against a sharp it was length like, of building it was close to the Cottingtown mall but not connected in any way <laughs> you had to walk to the so like the corner of the, the parking, parking lot. lot you had yeah. to walk there was no path to the mall it was just a yep. part in the other end of the lot 
but it was the Cottingtown. So it's that we get that shot. I love that it was just a straight hallway from one end to the other with the four cinemas off to the off to the left. Mm-hmm. And that big long pictures of picture windows down that whole right side looked like basically an auto dealership. But with carpeting and then movie theaters. That's probably on the why back they end. turned it into a Pet Boys. They're like, "This is a perfect. This is perfect Pet Boys for our showroom." Yeah. Look at this Pet Boys showroom we got here. <laughs> but, Turn these into some garages. Oh man, God, I love the Cottingtown Cinemas layout. Arcade cabinets all the way down. Mm-hmm. Oh, but yeah, the dankness. It was a great. I just remember, it's like yeah, that brick that you see on the outside. You saw that on the inside too. Yeah, that was like in that was just the walls <laughs> it's of the dank theater, brick theater. And I just remember it feeling like a cavern. Every one of those theaters was just like the ceiling's too high or, or oh, something, it was, right? It's just like it felt like this big. It's you know, theater six old at, theater. Uh, at Third Street Cinemas. You walk mm-hmm. in and you're on one level, and the whole floor slopes downward. Yeah, yeah. So you walk in the those the double doors of each theater, and you're already sloping slope. downward. And the ceiling is high as hell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's like theater six. the The bigger of the two uh, of the four screens have the the pathways down the sides. You know, you had the blocks of seats on the sides, and then the ones yep. firm in the middle. Oh man, I love those Cottingtown Cinemas layout. My favorite spot to watch a movie. Dirty Work was the last movie I mm. saw there. So I saw it with two other people there, and it was a couple that got into an argument in the middle of Dirty Work and left down each separate one of those, <laughs> <laughs> those double paths. Oh, The one I remember seeing there, and hopefully, and my, I know my brother listens, hopefully I'm getting this right, but I remember seeing Congo there. I remember oh, that being the one shoot. where we saw Congo, and we walked out, we were like, that was good, right? <laughs> We're Congo dudes we're now, right? Congo, right? <laughs> like we're we like Congo, don't we? Gorilla, right? Yes, <laughs> yes, indeed, man. Yeah, yeah, maybe not, but I just I remember yeah. I remember my dad getting his co- we getting work done on the car in the other end of the mall parking lot, and then just us walking and doing that thing. We're like, I guess we're just gonna see the movie that's playing. It was the it was mm. the I think Karate Kid three. Mm-hmm. Just remember the one with the big raining scene. Yeah, man. That was the only Karate Kid movie me and my dad saw just while we were, <laughs> while he was getting like a lube job at the Pet Boys at the go. other end. God, the concession stand right up front. So weird. Just boom. Right when you hit like right porno there. theater. Wasn't there also driver. like a second one though further down? Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a trek. Because yeah. If your movie was theater four, you were way down. These were wide theaters. Man, I wish I we could have gotten some inside. More inside the lobby. Anyway. <laughs> the idea of buying a, buying the ticket to the PG movie to sneak into the R-rated movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, of course you're going to do that. Them talking about whether they should go to Theater 3 with the with the boys. See the R-rated movie with the boys or see this baby stuff in Theater 2 that her frumpy sister recommended to her. Shit, man. That idea, do you remember those moments with the friend group where one friend is the one like not wanting to go? A little further, or did you have different friend groups? Was, I was probably. Or were that you friend. that guy? Yeah. <laughs> I was probably that friend. Like I don't know, guys. You know, the Ernest movie looks pretty good to me. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I thought we all had those moments. Like when my one friend was like, "I want to blow up mailboxes with pipe bombs." That's when I was the friend mm-hmm. that was like, "All right, oh, yeah, well, yeah. I think I'll I'll go to theater hopping." But yeah, I don't know about home invasions. <laughs> so. Yeah, we all have these moments, right? And old side pony gets hit with one of those already. She didn't even like the idea of sneaking into R-rated movies. These are how we grow up, right? 
We grow up. Friendships change. Well, yeah, and then by you the know? end of it, yeah, she's not friends with that one girl anymore yeah. because she kind of yeah they're growing didn't up wanna, we, didn't want to grow up at the same pace yeah you know, right we yeah exactly this is a movie about growing into and out of mm-hmm. different relationships right but leave on helm here her all these characters just feel so real when they're trying to communicate with each other trying to relate while they're all kind of growing at yeah. different paces and you can tell he kind of grows a bit throughout this movie he sees her uh, crossing the road away from the theater to the burger place, you know. Yeah. Then later in the movie, tries to bring it up. And then, <laughs> you know, it's like, I saw you. And she goes, oh, yeah, you know, we're getting a burger. And he's just kind of like, okay. Yeah. You sure? Your mom's okay with that? <laughs> you know, that, it's like, he doesn't know what to do. You know? Right. Like, uh, it just felt. Those moments where you. That felt so just genuine to me. Well, not necessarily like with my family, but just like a family, you know, that just doesn't know, like, how do I talk to my daughter about this stuff? Right. And what, what's so well conveyed with this, why the script is so good for these lines that wouldn't necessarily read as well without like on the page, but seeing them come to life with these real characters, like she, during this scene was so easily able to convey like that feeling where you're young but those moments where we kind of notice that our parents are like struggling or like not knowing what they're doing, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> there's tons of moments where my dad was, re- but those moments where you're like, he's flustered right now. You know, you when you're old enough to start noticing these things, maybe some notice them earlier, but she's really like, yeah, seeing that her dad's trying, thankful that he's not trying harder, pushing more, being knowing. He knows something's up. Mm-hmm. He knows that. The girls also really, I love the scene of them going out in one outfit. Give me a scene where you go out in one outfit and change into something else at the mall. Yeah. Then putting the makeup on, the earring. Like, this is just growing up, the, right? Like, the montage of them putting on those giant bangle bracelet things. Yeah. That was Do so funny. I need funny. a 16? I better look pretty sexy. Let me put on my giant plastic lime green bracelets. <laughs> I love it. Man. Uh, also a great scene like uh, yeah I, f- I always forget how much family is in this because you always think of them at the mall but you know the scene where yeah her and her mom are fighting all the time but she decides to help her mom that one afternoon kind of with yeah. the house painting and that that idea that the, the family unit that's there for each other even if they're not really there for each other well I mean it's you keep thinking early on in this movie that it's hinting at some kind of abuse and by the end, it's it's really more just like, no, these people are all, like, trying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, I would have days where, where my mom and I were just at each other's necks, right? But then there's tons of times where, like, her and I would just go to the movies. She took me to Cottingtown Cinemas. Mm-hmm. We saw Dirty Work. <laughs> no, no. She, <laughs> she, <laughs> Good mom. No, no. But, like, that was, like, one of, that was, like, the main, like, that and the Raven were the main theaters we would go to. Like, it was not uncommon for us to go to the mall, for me to try on some pants, mm-hmm. go to Sabaro, and then go to Cottingtown, right? Like, these are great. And so I, I see the, these days where you're like, maybe I'm not going to be just a bitch to my mom. Maybe I'm not, you know, maybe I will. Like, yeah, she's been like on my case, but like these moments where you're just trying, you know, and I like these. Levon Helm was trying, he was happy that he's like, I own this house. 
We don't know if it's a piece of shit, but he's a guy who's proud of it, right? Mm-hmm. And he does. He is trying to connect to Laura Dern. I like the way he kind of pushes her later on to come into town with him. Like he pushes to have that talk. Yeah, he that... doesn't know what he's gonna say, but he doesn't let himself get out of having the talk. Yeah, I do like to... that scene where he kind of yeah he says, "Well, why don't you come with me?" He can see her being sad. And it's like, well, you can either do that or some chores. <laughs> Those yeah. are your options to get her to come. <laughs> right. You know, I've had that same That's like the dad. Yeah. I, I'm like writing notes. I'm like, all right, all right. Mm-hmm. tell them there are other choices to do chores. They'll they'll do whatever you yeah. want. A lot of these things just felt like this felt real. Yeah, you know this this just connects so well. I, I had to look in like because I just loved the way this movie looked, even if it didn't have like my mall and movie theater. Um, I had to look up the guy. I recognized his name in the credits, David Wasco. Because how do you forget the name Wasco? (laughs) You know, David Wasco. And I was like, why have I seen this name a lot, brother? You know why this? Why you know why Smooth Talk looks good? Run through this guy's credits as a production designer: Hmm. Jackie Brown, Pulp Fiction, Reservoir Dogs, Kill Bill, Inglor, full Tarantino run, right? Wow, Collateral. Royal Tenenbaums. He won the Oscar finally for La La Land. Hmm. This guy can sit a piece, right? That, this that movie, house is perfect. That everything peeling ab- paint and the uh, the ramshackle house and the all those movies I mentioned yeah. were like some big productions. Mm-hmm. Collateral, holy shit! <laughs> like some some of the stunt work of that and just the shots and the night scenes and that incredible, right? To set this movie, Jackie Brown. Mm-hmm. Like some of the most iconic real town visuals. How real does Jackie Brown feel? These locations. Every part of Jackie Brown works. Same with Reservoir Dogs. You think about that warehouse there in the whole movie. Yeah. Right? Or the diner or whatever. Yeah. I mean, these movies are defined by these locations, right? All of Jackie Brown, every location is just so real. Never seen so much Hawthorne or Inglewood mm-hmm. <laughs> on film, right? Like, just finding those old bars. Yeah. Right? And they look so amazing. So you think Wasco's the one that found the Santa Rosa Mall and was like, I got it. I, got I mean, spot. it's not an accident, right? This is We've a also small... got the orchards here. We've got the, the coast right by here. We have had plenty of movies yeah. filmed in this area, right? I've never felt so connected to them as the one where it's just like, those are places I go. But like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, they, we've Scream was filmed in, in Healdsburg, mm-hmm. right? We love that. And uh, so, yeah, of course it's, but this is like the small scale version of the huge things this guy did later. It's cool. Like this small scale of him just working within like, well, this is an existing mall, but the Galleria in Jackie Brown is incredible. Talking mall shots, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah, right. This guy knows some mall shots. Talking mall like, food courts. But like, geez, just the way he did, he was able to go back to doing small for Bottle Rocket. Like when you think of Bottle Rocket, you're just in. I'm I'm in love. I love the way Bottle Rocket looks. I love the way that motel looks from afar. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing he did a decade earlier in Smooth Talk with Santa Rosa. So David Wasco, like this That's guy, cool. this guy, <laughs> this it's like guy the is Spiro an... Rosado, like uh, stunt guy going on to great things that we love in the old stuff. Yeah, this yeah. guy doing this incredible work design. on these independent productions in the '80s that immediately catch the oh, oh this guy's gonna be a mega star mm-hmm. yeah spiro's the like marvel guy now right right the marvel the stunt marvel coordinator guy. 
And he was the guy just like, you know, just, I bet Spear will jump out of that third story window in Maniac Cop 3. Exactly. How long do you want to light him on fire? <laughs> Hit him with a fucking Lincoln. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and just like Oscar, you know, peak of his industry. I mean, to go from... That's cool. This is just... So this movie looks great on film because this was just a collective. You know, this was a movie made by 200 dedicated people, right? Just to bring the realness of this, where you're able to portray a mall McDonald's with swivel chairs like a coffee shop, they probably still had ashtrays in there. Probably. Yeah, probably. Beautiful. But Laura Dern's journey in this movie and the depths she gets to as an actress are just incredible. A year before Blue Velvet, Mm -hmm. she is able to carry this 90 minutes of movie because this is her story. She's in like every shot, basically. Yeah. 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 And she, she has so many individually excellent scenes with every cast member in this movie. She is the person that interacts with everyone, right? Her scenes with Levon Helm are great. Her scenes with Mary Kay Place are great. Her scenes with the boys at the, uh, including that one guy from Herman's Head. <laughs> <laughs> Was that the nice boy? The Herman's Head guy? Probably. <laughs> yeah. Eddie, Eddie. Oh man, putting yeah. songs out the jukebox. I'm just getting a burger, Dad. God, your parents see you skipping school. Ugh. All these moments, right? But the just class and the power she brings to these roles when she's setting boundaries and she's learning what she's like into. Of all those really great actors that she had these good scenes with. Her like four or five minute scene with her sister. They're, mm. they're like one on one scene was so perfect. Her just talking like, I just like how nice, like nobody told me how nice boys were going to be, right? When you're still in that like kind of magic hour, right? When it's still fun and you're like, there's nothing bad. It's like, it's not serious. Right. Right. It's just like, Bad stuff hasn't happened yet. Yeah, there's nothing bad. And bad stuff doesn't always happen, right? But this movie, you just there's this foreboding sense this whole way through, right? What's it gonna be? Is it gonna be about a girl who just like learns how cool it is to party and fuck? <laughs> like, I guess that movie could be. That movie would probably be pretty rad, actually. Pretty Laura Dern could me. do like just like her just being like, this is this rip. This is yeah. great. We're just gonna party and fuck, boys. This is cool. Well, that scene, but, especially with her sister, where she's trying to relate to her sister on that level. And her sister is this kind of like little house on the prairie person. Yeah, prudish, works Seems, for the works for dad kind uh, of thing. Or yeah. like, so she's not connecting with her on that level. And then she tries to kind of do the reminiscing, like remember when we were kids kind of stuff. Yeah. And for her sister to just be like, I don't remember. Yeah, well. It was so cold. In the book, and it doesn't really, they the casting in this, uh, in the book, the age difference between them was like huge. Okay, it was yeah. like when she, when the older sister was fifteen, when Laura Dern's character was seven. Mm-hmm. So a huge gap, and so in a scene, and they, but they didn't really cast an actress that looked older yeah. than Laura Dern in the movie. You get so. the sense she's maybe a two years. Seems older? just like yeah, her slightly older sister. Yeah. No, so in this, at that point, in the movie, she's supposed to be like twenty four in mm-hmm. the book. Mm-hmm. And so Laura Dern's reminiscing about stuff that happened when she was seven. Right, right. And so that 
In the movie, it's not as clear why the disconnect is so big. Because it was like, geez, you know, this girl was 15. And what I love that Laura Dern is so precocious and that she's just trying to reminisce and just trying to connect. She's She knows she di- she's different from her sister. But she's mm-hmm. having that moment where she's still, like, trying to be her like, sister, right? We can still bond over some things. But she's also naive enough to know that, like, her sister didn't go through a hot girl period, <laughs> like a hot girl phase. And so she's trying to connect on, over like being a hot girl and how nice boys are and how much fun it is to talk with boys. And, and that just enrages it feels, the sister. Yeah. What it feels like when a boy just hugs you. Yeah. Dude. I, I, when, when I held a girl's hand in a movie for the first time, there's not much things more exciting than that. Right. Holding a girl's hand in the mask. <laughs> Is this? It's the best. What is better than that, right? <laughs> oh my! God. She, yep. she, it's ha- great. She hated the mask. Oh, oh man! I can't imagine. But holding a girl's hand in the mask, what's better? Kissing a girl in Twister, probably. That's that that's better. better, right? <laughs> and so. As stupid as it sounds, not everybody gets to kiss a girl in Twister, right? And Laura Dern has no idea that other girls aren't going through this exact same thing. That She thought it was just a secret. Mm. A secret club that people... Nobody told me. She says something like that. Like, I had no idea. I had no idea kissing a boy in a car would be this cool. It's great, right? Yeah. But her sister's like, you did what? Yeah, what have I, you been doing? I, I and like, yeah, and just no boy just, wants to kiss me. In a and car. like, jealous. Yeah, right. You have no idea what a bitch you're being. It's like she does not. <laughs> she doesn't. You know, yeah. man. Some stuff I've heard fifteen year old girls say to their mom. Looking back, it's like, whew, I bet <laughs> regret some of these. Right? You hear things being around, being in a house with teenage girl. Right? Mm. The fights a mom and her and her daughter can have. Good God. My dad was a guy like Levon Helm who just had no idea how to talk to me. It was easier that sure, way, right? Yeah. We talked Keep about the simple. Giants. Boom. This is great. I talk at ages about this. Figure it out. Levon Helm's trying to figure <laughs> out that rhythm. He's good at keeping time on them piano keys, yeah, right. right? You know? This guy's gotta work. <laughs> this guy he's got he's gotta act now. I gotta make this look good. I keep wanting to say he's like I keep trying to place what character actor he feels like. He feels like a Scott Glenn. Or a G.D. Spradlin. If I can drop a G.D. Spradlin <laughs> name free. here. Feel free. If we can talk about G.D. Spradlin for a <laughs> bit here. He's got that same, like, you know, when he says, I can see him saying the word senator with a tooth whistle the same way G.D. Spradlin would. In, like, yeah. The Godfather. He's definitely got that kind of southern, too much time in the sun. Uh, Sam Shepard. Feel. Sam Shepard a good one? This feels like a Sam Shepard movie. I could see that. Really, this feels like a Sam Shepard script. Mm. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> spiritually, yeah. a that's why I said Towns Van. This feels spiritually like a Towns Van Zant song. Spiritually, like a Sam Shepard screenplay, right? Except it's Joyce Chopra, based off a of Joyce Carol Oates. Mm-hmm. This is a Joyce production, man. It's one of the Joyciest movies. The two ever. Joyces, and God. The more Laura Dern just gets into this idea of being a teenager and how much you forget 
that Treat Williams is even a part of this movie. <laughs> I know we haven't even talked about it yet. <laughs> Treat Williams shows up for a like Kurt Russell in uh <laughs> Death Proof. Pretty yeah. Pretty he shows much. up for like ten seconds in the in early on when she's going on dates with boys. Yeah. And already just has a ten He totally is like Mike the Mechanic. Yeah. In, uh, Death Proof. <laughs> I didn't even think about you that. See him just now. in the background and, and or in his car. Yeah. Kind of walk by him once or twice and then he makes his mark at the end. I noticed uh, he's not in the opening credits. Oh, um, I did not I notice did. that. I've never noticed that. So he's not in the opening credits. And then at the end of the movie, he's the first credit over Laura Dern. Wow. Interesting to me. That's cool. But yeah, he is. So we've been saying how real this movie is, right? Do you think he's real? No, I don't think he can't be, right? Do you think he's like a... He's not real, right? Is he like a figment of her imagination? Like, do you think this really... This final act so really happens? <laughs> so, okay. Because I've never heard anyone say that it doesn't happen. Everyone's like, well, it's very vague what happens, but blah, blah, blah. I, so but, I, don't, I, I hate looking things like these up. So one thing I love about movies, like, we've done a couple hundred episodes of this podcast now. And looking back... Sometimes I listen, I think like, wow, we really sound smart talking about this kind of, like some movies we just really like, man, Charlie made a really good point there. That's really, really made me think about that movie a little different. But then I know there's those times where I'm just like, is this guy real or not? And I know I sound so I think dumb. it's a legitimate question in this movie. I think he is real. I think he's, uh, he's, a, he's basically, he shows up at her house when everyone else has gone to the barbecue and he, uh. Basically, uh, tells her to get in the car. Yeah. Or, and, uh, you know. There's some, the, like, implications. The implications with, with Arnold Fred here. Yeah, we were talking about the implication on, <laughs> on uh, Uninvited. This Yo, guy. Dude. This guy is the king of implications. That guy, Alex, <laughs> that guy had, Alex, he had implications on that. He uh, took girls out with George Kennedy on a boat. Yeah. Man, but, bad uh, news. But Treat Williams as Arnold Friend. For that's, ev- that's my real name, and that's what I want to be to you. What a creep. Just a creep from the get-go. Right? What a scuzz. What a slime. What a but also slime. Like, pretty cool, right? Also, like, a guy who's, like, kind of good at being a dork. So, like... <laughs> Yeah, this whole movie is no Treat Williams outside of him mark, X-marking the spot on her next to his GTO. For everything that feels so real in this movie, Treat Williams is just this unreal oddball. It's like Elvis, like a ghost of Elvis kind of well, thing. Well, like she's got all these James Dean posters mm-hmm. all over her room, and he shows up in the same white, you know, like kind of shirt they weren't making in 1985. <laughs> yes. You know, right, exactly. <laughs> like, he's this greaser. He's got, he's got the guys, big like, kind of pompadour, almost looking hair, right? Yeah. I mean, like another thing I like about this movie, one thing, we don't really talk about it, but you and I are like car guys. <laughs> and when Definitely. he. when Yeah, we're like. We're like a couple of gearheads, and like we don't like bring it up. But when he pulls up in his GTO, who is this dude? Mm-hmm. Right, him standing at the diner. He's already got the guy with the too old to be at the club kind of vibes, but also in that way that when I was fourteen years old, an eighteen-year-old could look old. Oh yeah, you know, fourteen. You're st- you're a fucking kid yeah <laughs> you know he claims for, to be 18 in this movie for as cool as i thought i was at 14 man i was oh yeah fucking, 
Oh no, fucking dweeb, right? Like so, fourteen, man. I remember how big like it was like that with every nineteen-year-olds right? were. Yeah, I remember being in like fourth grade, and the seventh graders were like full-grown adults. Oh man, it's ridiculous. I went through a weird. So, yeah. I went through a cult K through twelve way. school. Mm-hmm. So when I was like in second grade, a senior looked fucking gigantic. Right. Six-year-olds just walking around with like a seventy, insane, like a right? Yeah. So yeah, every year where these are all formative years, right? And Arnold Friend just immediately is that, like, shark, right? Even though he shows up once, you aren't even thinking about him. If you go to see this, yeah. unless you saw every poster ever made from the movie, which is Treat Williams just ghosting <laughs> behind Laura Dern. Confusing poster Yeah, shot, like it's Badlands way, or something. Yeah. That's what I always think of, yeah. It really does feel like a Badlands kind of cover. the world. And really, it's him just being a total creep yeah this is him just like the wolf and uh yeah it's uh he just seems so animated and ridiculous in a way yeah i just i sometimes especially watching it this last time for for this episode it's like god this is this like the ghost of rapist future or something (laughs) like what is going on this guy can't be real right he knows he knows too many things that he couldn't have known. He knows everything about her yeah. and her friends. He yeah. knows all her friends' names, and he knows the families at a barbecue. Now, I also think this guy is a professional predator. Sure. Like, this is what him and his friend in the car do. So I kind of think, like, he could have probably followed the family to see where they were going yeah. and known they were 12 miles away and come back. So I, I brought up I don't that know. story that was not my own earlier, but a girl I dated who, you know, a guy parked yeah. outside her house for three months as a teen and never came in, but parked right outside where her bedroom was and would, like, play music out there, right? 16, 17 years old. What that does to you, right? And the, the way he has that ability to write like she doesn't know how that guy got her address he Mm -hmm. would have had to follow her the idea that this guy who was probably 24 25 had to follow a 17 year old right so this is a real thing that happened treat williams easily could have followed laura dern around sebastopol he was also like 34 when this was made so if you go by his age and tool yeah the book is is i don't think definitive but it describes the other guy as looking like a 40-year-old man with a baby face. When he takes off his sunglasses for the first time, it describes like a shock that Laura Dern suddenly felt. It's like, mm. that guy's too old. This guy, yeah. The guy, he's, the guy who doesn't say anything is just in the passenger seat with him, not looking at Laura Dern. Part of the implication. Yeah. This movie goes... He is definitely a creep on a whole nother level. Th- this movie goes south so fast... Every interaction she'd had with a boy up to this point, even the ones that are going farther, right? Mm-hmm. There's never a break of consent. Even when a guy started going up her shirt for like the first time, she broke. Sometimes they're gonna. Sometimes it's gonna break away. Yeah. Nobody acted like untoward. Backrub guy doesn't right? chase her down. No, he just up he just kind of does this like. Ah. Almost when, had that when she runs screaming out of his car in the Santa Rosa Mall parking lot. Mm-hmm. That they now charge for, These kids. That guy would have been paying like two fifty, <laughs> and then she exactly. runs off, and He'd he's be just like, like, "We only got come ninety on. minutes. Let's come make on. this quick." <laughs> I don't want to go fill up the meter again. Jeez, wouldn't have happened. <laughs> you couldn't make this movie today. 
No. Not without feeding the meter. Oh, no, you could not. No, but so for it to go to like, she's having fun. There doesn't have to be danger in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like this movie easily could have existed the last half hour of her just continuing to have fun growing up. That could have been it. Like that would have been a really great. I know a great version. That she could have done it. Right. It doesn't have to go. Could into have been her danger. like reuniting with her friend or, or you know. Yeah, man. Having Those... some kind of moment like that. So when it turns In the... into a half hour oh, like... of like, of like, rape. Uh, what is the word? It's like discussion of them he is you know basically bargaining with her in a way that she doesn't understand yeah or it or we think she doesn't but she also is not as dumb as she is acting she is kind of bedazzled by this boy but at the same time knows the situation is handling it as coolly as possible for as long as she can yeah but She's at first intrigued and kind of flattered, obviously, that this guy would pay attention to her because she likes that. And he is kind of, and he is a charming, even though he shows up at her house out of nowhere. Yeah. And she doesn't know him. He's acting very charming. Like, hey, we're friends. We get along. He's got the great, just these, he's got, he's got these a, kind of he's marionette got... movements at the beginning, especially, where he's kind of like hanging out of the car. He swings like out angle. On, he gets out of his car by by hooking his arms on the driver's side door and tucking his legs up like he's on a zip line <laughs> yeah. and just kind of swinging out on his big old heavy GTO yeah. door. He is taking a this is a man like you said earlier uh like a professional <laughs> rapist. He's doing it all. <laughs> he does it for the, the love book. of the game. Yeah. And no, really uh, he takes it seriously. So like he it. this he is a profiler is what you, he knows all the moves. He starts out with the smooth talk. Yeah. You know, and then he tries to go for the romantic angle when when the fun stuff doesn't work. Yeah, he starts off with like And then it like just gets banter. into like, well, you better get in the car. It's better if you just get in the car. The frustration kind of starts building. She's she's smarter and uh more resilient. Yeah. But he's never but his whole thing is as as this professional predator, you could tell he he doesn't want it to be a forceful mm-hmm. situation. Yeah, that's no fun for him. He wants her to get in the car on her own. That's the only way he achieves his victory. Yeah, and uh, like get a hobby, man. The, like, uh, seriously, find well, something I mean, else to do with your life. Because when asking the, crazy to me when asking the question of like, is he real? Because so many of things that he does are so fake. His movements seem fake. He's got this routine kind of down, mm-hmm. like more down than it should be. For a movie that feels so, uh, you know, incredibly scripted, like in this way that all everybody had these real talks and these girls are having actual conversations that sound like a 15-year-old girl, <laughs> like giggling and being inappropriate at the mall movie theater. To suddenly go into such a, like, stage routine, almost. Mm-hmm. It feels this otherworldly kind of presence enter the movie, right? That feels just different than everything else. But, at the same time, we've all done stupid things to impress a girl. He's just worked out a whole routine that accounts for just cornering these girls. He plays it as a game and it could be real. Like, yeah. I don't think it, he does know these things, but like, yeah, they could have, he could have followed his 
family car, knowing it's the one car, knowing that Laura Dern wouldn't be going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Like, we don't know the level of this. This isn't like Cape Fear, where we know Max Cady's actively, like, Treat Williams isn't showing up ruining problem child for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's like, yeah, we see really... him hanging out at the diner. Like, he could have asked people who those who her friends were and who, you know. He... Yeah. It's really, and especially, and he does say like I've asked all around. It's a small town. The people, everyone knows each other, kind of a vibe. The the book makes it more clear that she doesn't know who he is. Mm -hmm. So it's not like she's this teen who remembers the guy that pointed at her three months ago at the at Frank's. Like she doesn't know who he is, and so that whole conversation in the book is her. You know, the same way you want to sound cool to somebody who's somebody older who's paying attention to you. Yeah, yeah. Like, sometimes that's how it works. There's an age cuff where it's like, you know, when an adult is, like, actually listening, you know, like, finds you interesting, teens notice that. And so she's playing this cool. And it paints him a little more, like, unpolished in a couple of ways. One is that it implies that he wears lifts. <laughs> and he stumbles a couple of times because he's, like, sl- his heel slips because <laughs> of his lift. <laughs> So, like, or he has his boots stuffed or something, so he uh-huh. appears, like, taller. So it gives him a little bit more of, like, a mm-hmm. wound. But in this, but in the film version, he seems very, like, overly confident in every way. Like, he has an answer for every bit of her turns. Like, how many times has he been through this? Is this just the most effective cat and mouse he's done? Like, movie doesn't really tell us. It does that weird hint about his car code. Which could yeah, be something yeah. dumb as like the age of the women he slept because it goes thirty three, nineteen, seventeen. It's, it could be something I, that dumb. I, I think I've heard. I, I was told or saw in an interview. It's, it's his locker combo from his high school days. Ooh, yeah. that's so lame. Yeah, that's how you know. I'm it's... not saying it'd be cooler to have the age of the. Women. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't want to say right. that's cooler, but your high school locker combo. But that's just how he's living. Yeah. Uh, That's this guy. He's got his name airbrushed on the side of his GTO. He's got his name airbrushed on the Arnold side. Arnold Friend. He's uh, he's got his accomplice in the passenger seat, who kind of almost gives you know, who basically gives the game away halfway through. Uh, the the interesting thing he does, with this he, like, whole threatens scene to is, cut the phone lines. Yeah, right? the the thing with the scene is like you almost believe that he's just being a genuine kind of like weirdo, but that doesn't mean her any harm necessarily yeah it's he's or or that his uh you know when he starts talking about how he's he his passion and then when he starts saying like you're my lover and stuff and she's going like nobody talks like that you know yeah. you're just thinking this guy is like overboard on the passion and then well, his friend goes you want me to cut the phone lines now <laughs> yeah, like, his friend is impatient yeah. suddenly so the the first 10 minutes of this I'll, so I'll tell you why the immediate implications hit me. So our my my folks live out on like a dirt road, right? In rural Healdsburg, right? And I've you know I've been home alone, and when I my family has a, a weird long dirt road driveway, right? Cars don't accidentally wind up like coming down my parents' driveway, right? They don't lock their their car doors mm. like they're living mm-hmm. far away where you are intentionally going to this place right 
And I remember being home alone when I was, you know, 11, 12 years old. And, like, a car comes down that driveway that's not my grandpa's. Like, it's just like, nope. Mm. I, <laughs> I'm getting to a different part of the house. Like, I don't know who this dude is. Could be just a guy, you know, could be uh, Jehovah's Witnesses. They, yeah. made, they made it out there, but... Phew, no, I'm not taking that. Nope. Locking myself in the other part of the house. Done. And so just the I, the second that car, second I see the dust cloud come up, it's already the vibe. It's already like, strangers don't make it out here. Mm-hmm. Like, you're coming out here. Well, he's so already there's implications. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I love how she plays this scene so well. You said it a minute ago. Who talks like that? Because to this point... N- I said every conversation felt real. Mm-hmm. He is just this alien. Yeah, he, but he it, it's is almost like also... he's trying to confuse her so much that she just gets in this kind of whirlwind. Like, that's his hope. And it kind of worked. I mean, that's exa- eventually what happens is she just becomes so disoriented. Yeah. And she doesn't have any other option but just to kind of see this through to is get he... out the other side. And his... uh. I mean, I, th- I this is just an insane performance from Treat Williams. Yeah. To be able to go from kooky and funny to sincere to then opening that screen door and then just saying, like, it's better if you get up on yeah. your own and come along. I just like the the, the power dynamic is, is the, you know, the thing I've heard in the interviews about this performance, like, He's the you know he's the one character in this movie who knows exactly what he wants. Yes, and how and and how he can go about getting. He knows it. exactly. To no target one else. The per- yeah, the the girls they you know no one else knows what they're doing. Yeah, we're all figuring this out. And he is the man with the plan. Yeah, to a, be preyed upon by someone kind of who way. has figured it out, yeah. on someone who is like in the process of figuring it out. It's it's a nightmare, right? There's a reason we had kidnapping PSAs running. 24 7 when we were kids right they told us about these vans right yeah he's the older version of the guy you know he's the different version of the guy in the van they don't totally tell you about it the same way they teach stranger danger but they're not telling like no parent really wants to have the talk with their 15 year old about like hey so if a 25 to 35 year old guy like Mm -hmm. because luckily they they might not always have to but that means they don't know and she is just trying to hold her own and he is just methodically wearing her down over 20 minutes. How the movie goes just real time. Yeah. For the whole third act. is such this sudden departure point. Right? It just goes hard into this real time verbal working over. You know? <laughs> and she is just hanging yeah. on and doing a great job. She can, you can tell she is frustrating him. Mm-hmm. That guy is old Ellie or whatever that creep in the car is. You can tell he is frustrated because usually the act doesn't go on this long, <laughs> right? Usually the con works before now. You don't have to be like, should I get the phone? Should I cut it? Like, you don't have to get to that yet, right? It starts to feel like she's just, she might as well be at this remote cabin. He knows nobody's mm-hmm. coming back. He knows how long they're going to be gone. He knows she has nowhere else to go. He points out that he knows that the neighbor that's closest to them is dead. That's, was that in the book or was that in the movie? That's in the movie, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, Well, yeah. He, he does this really creepy thing where he goes like, 
that old lady that lives next door, you don't like her, right? And she's like, she's dead. Yeah, yeah but you didn't. It's something like that, right? Where, and then it's just like, even that's a mind fuck. Yeah, he's trying to manipulate the way, yeah, to give her credit negatively for different things. Yeah. He's wearing her down. Yeah, accusing, doing these things that take longer to refute than they take to accuse that just don't really sound like an accusation. It's weird to just say like, yeah, you didn't like that woman, right? Well, she's dead, but you didn't like her, right? Like, where's he getting this? You know, he's messing with her and he does seem like a goofball at first and not in a harmless way, but more in a guy who's like not as good at this as he thinks, right? But then he just keeps getting better at it. The game gets more sloppy. He ran out of script, you feel, Mm. at a certain point. Mm. Like, he knew where the turns come throughout this. He knows the dance. And then at a certain point, it's just more overt bargaining. And then she realizes it's bargaining. In the book, he straight up threatens to kill her family. So that's different. Right. This one, it's a great play of, like, if this house was burning down, you'd run right into my arms kind of stuff. Yeah. That... It's just the writing is the writing in this whole scene between them is just insanely good. And the way that they're able to, you know, play with it and make these very different choices than what you've been seeing in the movie so far. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It just it, like it just flips into this real time like horror movie all of a sudden almost. By the time she realizes she starts to to sense and makes no bones about it that he he's a bad dude. She is never fully charmed by this guy at any point of this. Right. But when she makes the decision to go back inside, but just has the screen door closing it, the decision by Joyce Chopra to film so much of their interaction from between, like two sides of a screen door, mm-hmm. those angles looked so good. And these conversation, and we all know it. He doesn't have to say it by the time the conversation builds to like, like, you think a screen door would hold me back? Like, she's drawing a line that is kind of meaningless, but it would be something that he would have to cross. Mm-hmm. Up at that point, nothing had been physical. So it would be easy for him to tear through the screen door. But at that point, you're doing something, right? You're, you're officially doing, you're criming yeah. at this point. Right, like that's crime. You get the sense his accomplice, uh, when it's his turn, he'll just go through the door. He's he doesn't care for the game. Yeah, that you that you whole know, thing about like today is not your day. Yeah, this is my date. It, this yeah, is yeah, my yeah. day. Wow, know? it's like this is my you know the the accomplice has his This is how I do days. my day. Yeah, you we can do your. God, yeah, they are real, man. This is not. They aren't fake. I'm con- I've worked scary. I worked That's myself really into a think. shoot. Yeah. I'm there. These guys, these dudes are real cuz this this threat is it, they got to be real because we see the friend walking around in their house after Treat has taken her on a ride. Yeah. Takes one of his dad's like high lives. What an asshole. Takes like a banquet <laughs> beer, right? A, this guy sucks. Guy Going through her records assholes. and stuff. Yeah. This guy sucks. And I like that we don't dwell on her assumed trauma. Mm-hmm. They left this movie vague enough that it leaves people their own out. People can take the easy way out of this story if they want to, right? This is a 
many ways to interpret what might have happened because the movie doesn't show us or tell us anything. She doesn't share anything. We get some expressions that share something. She's still able to stand up for herself. Says she never wants to see him out here again. Yeah, when they come back from their ride, she's able to finally stand up to him. She was not defeated. Kick but we out. don't know what happened. Yeah. We assume, rightly, that it wasn't good. But sometimes teens are resilient. Humans are survivors. Right? Yeah, you definitely get the sense at the end of the movie that she is going to survive this. Yeah. And come out stronger. You know, it's... <laughs> uh, as terrible as the thing might have been. These bad things happen, right? And we all can't really help how we react to them. Things could have been worse is a thing you don't want to say. Mm-hmm. But we have all had to say it, right? And, yeah, things could be worse. And we don't know what happens. And I like that the movie doesn't feel the need to go into that. Because it's not really the full important part of this. Right. It's not what her journey so far has been about, right? It's all discovery. It's all figuring things out. And we're going to wind up in situations that are bad. To say that situation can't have a happy ending, we saw in real time, man. You remember the party in Girls at the Carnival? You remember the vibes at that the scary, place? The, the scary old old guy party, or not old guy, but... Old to those girls? 25-year-old guy party. The same age difference yeah. between Treat and Laura Dern, man. There were some guys way older than those girls at that party, and that room looked bad. In like a blackout house. That vibe was bad. Ten minutes later... They are having the time of their lives at the donut shop, which is bouncing on a Saturday night. Yeah. The pastries on that table, the jacket she's wearing, <laughs> the eight ball jacket with that bear claw. Yeah. It's iconic, man. These stories don't always go wrong, right? We've all been in situations that could have gone worse. And I love that kind of end where it still kind of has the option of a dream mentality because everything's just like the end of Blue Velvet where the dads are grilling and mm-hmm. the moms are like in the sink and the grandma could never eat a worm. you never eat a bug. And S- Jeffrey's just out on the hammock in like the perfect sunny day. It's like she comes home right when her parents are just returning from the family barbecue. The mother immediately apologizes for slapping her earlier. Her dad's just like, we missed you at the bar. You know, it's just like, right. Jeffrey, come on out. Like, the burgers are done. Like, everything is, very, is just like. Yeah. And then it ends on this nice, like, melancholy moment with her and her sister living to the, listening to the ever-present James Taylor. This movie is really done by Taylor. Yeah. And his brother doing his own solo stuff. There was another Taylor in the credits on like three right. songs. Richard Taylor. Yeah, we're just getting Richard Taylor B-sides. Like, man, this really got all the Taylors involved in this. James Taylor might have been an executive producer. Said like, he was like music producer. It, yeah, he gets a big like a, like uh, on the Laserdisc I just bought. It's like he's above the photo like music, <laughs> music by james by... taylor wow yeah they were selling that was probably it the like... biggest name i mean at the time that's easily the biggest name associated with the movie yeah i mean i guess like the eddie and the cruisers laserdisc probably is like featuring that song from this movie. yeah <laughs> exactly. like sure you're selling streets of fire on the soundtrack yeah. on the laserdisc i like to imagine james taylor watching this movie like on opening night and be like this is what it is <laughs> <laughs> 
Hey man, they I'm, just, I'm just a, what's he say in The Simpsons where he's like, I'm, you know, I'm just yeah. an easygoing you know, <laughs> they just, boy. Here. They uh, wanted to option fire and rain. Yeah. I don't know. I like, didn't know it was like this. Yeah, his buddy, his brother Richard made the deal. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can say music supervised yeah. by James Taylor. <laughs> James Taylor's just Smooth cashing talk, in. Perfect. This is, I, he did not condone Treat Williams' behavior know. in this movie, right? But no one does. No one does. Yeah, this is, there's no other movie like Smooth Talk, man. I just fell into a pattern of watching this movie. It's hard to say it's a comfort movie. I guess in the same way that some movies are like, I like the first half before all the bad stuff happens. Mm -hmm. I like that one horror movie when the family's just happy before they all die. (laughs) You know, like, I... I, that, that first half of like House of the Devil where she's just kind of Yeah, man, when she's just living house. in the place she's house sitting <laughs> into it. Yeah. Oh, I love it. She's just playing some tunes. Yeah. Greta Gerwig is nearby. It's great. She's eating a pizza. <laughs> yeah. Hot. And uh <laughs> but the first hour of this movie lulls you into some kind of sense of familial comfort. It doesn't have to go bad. The bad third act is such a slap in the face suddenly because it lulls you into that just like the movie's going to be about her bickering with her parents mm-hmm. and pushing this limits of being a teen and calling her mom a, a b at some point <laughs> maybe a c it doesn't have to go here but it does and i like how kind of gracefully it recovers you can tell she's a survivor you can tell this whole movie how smart she is she's wowed right now that the boys could be this nice mm-hmm and I also want to say in my notes, I literally have the words ghost from rape date, date rape future <laughs> written down. And so the fact that you also landed on the ghost from date rapes future. It, 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 <laughs> it feels like a little bit of a, a Christmas carol, but for a young teenage girl exploring her it sexuality. It feels like he's teaching her a sex because lesson, she's, right? she's got the first guy is like the... Okay, so here's the <laughs> yeah, thing. It's true. When you... First of all, when you find out like 10 minutes into this movie that they're supposed to be like the summer after their freshman year of high school. Yeah. Like, these aren't even like juniors yet. No, man. These are babies. Yeah. And this 18-year-old freshman year. 18-year-old guy who graduated last, you know, year is like, "Oh yeah, I know you, Laura. You mean the prettiest freshman in school?" But he's still like the baby face guy. They go and make out. Second guy tries to get under the shirt. She runs out. Third guy He's coming to the screen door. He's already he's he's making he's telling you to put the phone down, yeah. or they're gonna, or his crazy friend is gonna cut the cords. Yeah, see how crazy this guy is, huh? You he's see that creep. guy, a real creep. He's a real creep. Yeah, man. Yeah, uh, yeah. At the end of the day, though, it is like go to the barbecue with your family. <laughs> yeah remember how how many sundays were actually saved when you agreed to just like stop being an asshole and just like enjoy the family outing mm-hmm. you know maybe just stop fighting with your brother for like the after let's have a nice family afternoon but i remember the ones where you're like i don't want to go to this i want to go to aunt virginia's yeah i love aunt virginia but not today not today not today right yeah. i'm i'm 15 but you always loved it. You always had the best time. I know. It was always great seeing the cousins. I your remember, cousins are going to be there. You, you love know, your cousins. Or going to like, uh, I just remember like, you know, my mom worked at Unical. And anytime we'd go to like a co-worker's barbecue, they all had kids our age. Yeah. You have a great time. And then you get to an age where you're like, I want to stay home and jack off. 
<laughs> like that sounds cooler on this Sunday afternoon, right? I'm like in the eighth grade. At a certain point, you got like different yeah. things that you're into, right? <laughs> like she's finding these things. things, right? Yeah. And yeah, this vampire ghost from Date Rape's Future just comes in to teach her a lesson about those boys. But man, I love this movie. I connect with this it's movie. A ma- I, I, just I, like I, we, you were asking me uh, earlier, like, what do you what do you think of this movie? I, I think it's a masterpiece. Yeah, I think it's a, truly a great film. I think it's a film that tells its story in really only the way that film can. By just letting you, by just showing you these people living their lives, yeah, and uh, I feel so like as a Treat Williams fan, I am just like so happy that he's in this movie, <laughs> yeah. that he's the guy that gets to play this great role, and I don't think anyone else would have done what he did with this. Not thing. like he did it. There's a lot of guys who I'd love to see their rendition of Arnold Friend. I'd like to see some yeah. a range of Arnold friends, but yeah, man, none of them would be Treat Williams version of this. I don't know that that hang off the GTO swinging door like that 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 scene where he's just got both arms over and he's got his head cocked like forty five degrees, mm-hmm. like a little sexy looks, Jesus, just, it's a sexy like, scarecrow. No, yeah, I I've never Me. seen anyone else do that with what, a character. What about when he does those tricep push-ups? He's doing his little push-ups on the car. He's doing his little like miming her movements back to oh, the house. Him, him the doing the, the slow-mo running was so weird. You said marionette, man. The way he's moving his body. like mm-hmm. We're both doing all the movements right now, by the yeah, way. Yeah, I know. It's not a visual pod. <laughs> all you can hear is chair squeaking, <laughs> exactly. but I swear we look good. We're doing a really good impression of it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but and the- this, like you said, this is just, this is film. Like this is, I thought it's interesting when we were talking and dropping the masterpiece word, right? Because I was like, we said that recently. And I looked back and it was another movie from 1985. It was to live and die in LA. Oh like yeah. Like just a month of ago. Course. Which at the end, we're just like, I think this is a Friedkin masterpiece. And it is. It's like what was happening night. You're yeah. just picking off the best of 1985. People are on going full all cylinders here. I, but that is one of the things I love about movies is two masterpieces. How do you say what your favorite movie from 1985 is? How do I begin to compare to Live and Die in L.A. Mm-hmm. and Smooth Talk? It is amazing that those two celestial beings existed right in the same calendar year. Man, you can't compare those two movies. Uncomparable. But this is a Chopra masterpiece. So it's come to this tackles the masterpieces. Whew. We can we'll front the, the masterpieces head on. Yeah. Oh God. I gotta See, say too, we didn't even bring it up, but there's a scene where she's got to walk home after the theater. The way she yells uh, at those guys <laughs> who throw the beer cans yeah. at her, I was like, "That's Laura Dern." That is just she just goes, "You cockroaches!" Yeah, and just everything in this movie is just so. Fucking good. Everyone is so good. Yeah. I, I it's a it's combination of writing, man. directing, acting, production design. Everything is working. So, James Taylor's music. Everything is working on so many levels with such a small, seemingly small kind of movie. Yeah. Um go see it. It's there on were, the Criterion Channel. There were as many characters in Girls at the Carnival. Yeah. A strikingly similar amount of characters, honestly. But we never got our true villain 
in that one. This finally takes Joyce Carol Oates' short story, Girls of the Carnival, <laughs> and fleshes it out to the movie that it... Go back and listen to our Girls of the Carnival episode. The book... Also a masterpiece. Yeah. The book uh, is good. The short story or whatever mm-hmm. is good. But this movie adds so much more depth. None of the family stuff is in that. The family stuff is covered in like page one. The rest of it is almost like verbatim the Arnold friend discussion. With diff- with some differences. Some right. uh, big difference. She never goes out to meet him. She's behind the screen the mm-hmm. whole time. Mm-hmm. So it is like a vampire situation right and uh yeah man this is a laura Dern performance like of all time and she was brand new how is she just already hitting these peaks Mm -hmm. this early it's incredible and she is still doing it i'm still seeing laura Dern stuff literally every year (laughs) that i love yeah it is 40 years later She's had it figured out for 40 years. She's the best. Mount Rushmore. Definitely. Her, Richard Lynch, surrounded by all the creeps that we talk about in the other 198 episodes of this show. I'm Eric. I'm Charlie. Thank you for listening, and good night.